Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malonsaw, and we're talking football with Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. How are you, Jay? I'm having a wonderful time because football season has finally begun. You're right. I didn't think I missed it that much until I put the first game on, and I was like, damn, this is good. You know, got it, and we got a good. We got the pump primed pretty well because you know anybody with a with a functioning brain was watching App State and and North Carolina, and it was a, a, an extremely exciting game. And by the time it was done, you know, I said, "Look, it may be raining, but I'm ready to go to the stadium." Yeah. And uh, but because the game lasted as long as it did, I was about an hour later getting to the stadium than I normally am. Um, but that was okay. It, it was it was all good. I was the same way. I was like, going, okay, this has got to get over with. Although I'm enjoying it very much, it's got to get over with because i got to get to the stadium. But it all worked out. Well, before we get into football, let's talk a little music. I think we're going to do this every week. Uh, but let's talk. Did you, you know the Led Zeppelin song, When the Levee Breaks? Yes. Did you know it is a remake? I did not. It is a remake. It is uh, of um, Memphis Minnie and Kansas Joe McCoy. It's a 1939 song. It's about the great, I'm sorry, 1929 song about the great flood of 1927. Which, of course, was um, commemorated in the song Louisiana 1927 by Randy Newman which is a song that got played a lot in the aftermath of Katrina. Correct. And uh, a great uh, remake there also by Aaron Neville, which sung it on a TV program that was raising money for the flood. Right. So, although I think he was lip syncing it during that, uh, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Uh, but no, it is a remake. of uh, The majority of the song is, are exact words from the 1929 song. Uh, the, the, the words going to Chicago were added by Robert Plant. So, but the song is given credit to writing to uh, um, Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Minnie, along with Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. Um, I will be doing a Facebook post later on. There is a remake of it, uh, which uh, when we're done, I'll let you listen to and kind of watch the video of John Paul Jones, who was the bass player from uh, Led Zeppelin, that does the song with from musicians around the world. It is unbelievable and will send chills up your back. All right. So, about three or four different singers in that. And like I said, uh, there's a young lady from Norway. There's one from uh, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. There is a uh, Dobo player from Austin. So, but on to football. Let's talk football. That's what we're here for. Virginia Tech, Old, Old Dominion. Let's talk some about football. Virginia Tech, Old Dominion? Uh, Old Dominion, obviously, is very good defensively. Um, you know, Old Dominion, obviously, is not very, not very good offensively. They have a lot of work to do on offense. And I don't know how good Brent Pry's team is. I, I'm, they didn't look very good. Um, and, you know, they just made a coaching change for a reason. So, but at the same time, you know, it's an in-state school. It's a P5 win. And, you know, Old Dominion, once again, a team that, you know, they started 0-6 last year, and, and then they wind up in a bowl game. So I, that's a nice start for them. Um, I thought James Madison, and, and, and I've been saying this to anybody who listened, 
If there's a team that's being undervalued before the season starts, I think it's James Madison. Yes, they're moving up from the FCS. Yes, they lost quite a bit. But James Madison is a team now that expects to win because they've been doing it on a consistent basis for a long time. They are not your typical FCS call-up. And for them to go out and just thoroughly dominate Middle Tennessee, I'm not surprised they won. I expected them to win. I didn't expect 44-7. I didn't expect their quarterback to throw six touchdown passes. Uh, he, was, he was just amazing. I think I undervalued them, uh, and I'll be honest about it. And I, I don't remember if I had them winning this game or not in my picks, but they showed a lot. It uh, it was it was a good week for quarterbacks uh, in the Sun Belt. You know, Bryce threw for six for Appalachian State. Um, James Madison threw for six. Georgia Southern threw for four. That ties the school record: four touchdown passes in one game. Of course, because Georgia Southern never throws the football, or at least they didn't used to. And it looks like South Alabama has in them a quarterback. And if he is able to consistently do what he was able to do against Nichols, South Alabama now is absolutely a contender um, in the um, in the Sun Belt Conference. Coastal Carolina, uh, props to them for pulling away from Army at the end. Uh, the other... Um, but, but on the other end of the spectrum, Texas State was actually a slight favorite going into Reno to take on Nevada. They lost 38-14. to 14. I don't know if there's a hotter seat in America in college football right now that isn't named Scott Frost other than Jake Spavital. They play a really bad FIU team this week, and they get them in San Marcos. And Texas State opens up as, I think, a 10.5-point favorite. If they don't win that game, I'm not going to be shocked if they make a move right then and there. Yeah, I think he's been on the hot seat for a while. I mean, it's one of those things that they have no reason why they shouldn't be winning. Uh, but, well, he got a five-year deal. Okay, this is year four. And look, not everybody can just go ahead and buy out a coach. Um, and so that, I'm sure, will be taken into consideration. But, um, but that was... That was a very disappointing performance. I thought Southern Miss uh, did a did a, a great job against Liberty. Um, they had a chance to win the football game. Unfortunately, it, it didn't work out for them. But if you were wondering whether or not they're better, obviously they are. And Frank Gore Jr. is going to be as good a running back as there is in this league. And you know, going back to uh, to App State for a minute, you know they've got three guys. You know. They got Peoples, they've got Noel, they've got Dietrich Harrington, all of whom have had great a great history at Appalachian State. Mountaineers are back, baby. And they're, I, I've been saying they're going to be, because everybody's talking about Marshall and everybody else, and I, I think that um, I think they're the team to beat in the East. I concur. Um, I don't know if you heard Will Hall's comments after the game. Chastising the Southern Miss fans. 24,000 they had at the Rock. But I bet you there was probably 12,000 there because it rained. The weather was bad. They got the rain after us. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that had a lot to do. But 24,000, Cajun fans would die for that right now. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Um, now, you know, I never saw the crowd. I yeah. never saw pictures of the crowd at Southern Miss. 
And yes, there was some bad weather that moved into that area. I mean, as a matter of fact, um, you know, they had a two-hour weather delay in Starkville uh, for Mississippi State. So yeah, they got some bad weather over there too. Look, we would love to think that every school in America that the fans say, rain, what rain? We're going anyway. It's not the case anymore. Not with every single game on television. If, you know, Cajun fans, and I've said this publicly, Cajun fans will stay home as soon as Rob Perillo or Heath Morton says, oh, there's a 60% chance of rain. They decide then that they're not going, okay? Um, and and I, I just think in the G5, you're, you see it over and over and over again. You know, App State had 41,000 for their game with North Carolina, shattered the school record. Well, it was 74 degrees in sunshine. Yeah. You know? When Southern, when Appalachian State hosted the Cajuns for the first Sunbelt Conference championship game, the weather wasn't good. They had 18,000. Yeah. This is a team that averaged 30 a year ago. So I think it's true for everybody. If the weather's not good, they ain't going. I agree. Well, let's talk about the Cajuns. We, let's move on into Cajun football. But let's talk not so much about the weather, but the, I, I, we'll start on the student side. I don't remember, is this the first year the van has moved out of that corner or is it the second year? Okay, they probably did it for several reasons because of COVID and all that. I think it's great where they are. Mm -hmm. I think it makes the student section look better. And honestly, I thought the student, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't our largest student. Oh, no, by, not by, by any stretch. Meaning, but I thought it was well attended. Well, you know, once again, you, you consider the weather, and you've got almost two full sections there. You've got about one and three quarters. No, I thought the student turnout was fine. Yeah, and I, I think it, once the game started, I thought Cajun fans, not, again, not a great crowd, not 20-plus, but I thought they, the fans filled in well in the in the, in the stadium, the, and those that were there were into it. You know, you can um, look. There's nothing you can do about the weather, and the other thing on top of that is the Louisiana State bird is in full force right now. Okay, the mosquitoes were terrible, and it um, and and you were up there, so you know. We almost never keep that window closed, but we did because we opened it long enough to hang a crowd mark, mic out because I was afraid Big G would get carried away by mosquitoes. I was shocked. You don't usually see them five stories up in front of your window. I was shocked at the mosquitoes you could see looking through the glass. Yeah, it, was, it was bad. And I thank you for not opening that window because I did not bring my Benadryl. <laughs> So, no. Um, well, let's move on to the game itself. Let's talk uh, football. Let's talk about the quarterback position. That was, I won't say the biggest question because I thought, I think we have two very capable quarterbacks. I thought Chandler Field looked excellent on the first drive. What's your thoughts about his overall performance? I thought he was solid. Um, I think there's a couple of throws he probably could have made better. Um, I think that... Uh, you know, but overall, I thought his decision making was good. Uh, overall, I thought his timing was was better than average. And you know, for your first start, I thought he equated himself well. I think driving the team down the field 
on the very first drive and getting six points, I think, was really big for him. Uh, from a and confidence I think it was big standpoint, for Mike too. Oh, well, sure. Um, I know it's game two officially of his story. No, no, you're right. Um, but the, you know, and and it's funny because we thought, or I thought, I've been saying it for weeks that you're going to see the tight end get more involved with this offense. But I was talking about Neil Johnson and Johnny Lumpkin on his birthday, five catches, two touchdowns. Um, but the tight end was more involved. I look. I thought both quarterbacks played fine, and. Some of the some of the feedback afterwards is why are we playing two quarterbacks? This, 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 this. Well, let me tell you something. In the first half, Ben Woolridge gets him inside the 10-yard line. And I I know that Mike would like to have that play call back, the one that he called on fourth down. Yeah. Because if they convert right there, they're going into the end zone. And guess what? Nobody is questioning Ben Woolridge. But because they didn't score where they had been scoring, just about, you know, they'd been driving and scoring, all of a sudden, oh, why are they playing two quarterbacks? And, and so I, I kind of reject that type of feedback. I think that, that both of those guys played fine. And, um, you know, quarterback play overall, I thought, was, uh, was what it needed to be. I, I thought Ben Wolf were – I thought both of them played well. Uh, Chandler, 13 for 20. Ben, 7 for 11. Now, you can always go back to the throws they might have missed. and But I tell you, you know, I talked about this with my friends yesterday. When Chandler rolled out in the first half, probably the first drive, and on the run, and it wasn't quite sidearm, but it, he slung it in there to Johnny Lumpkin about 30 yards. Well, it was probably the 28 yards down the field, which is about 30. So That was the touchdown. Okay. But there was a play before that I thought that he – Chandler were scrambling to the right and threw it down to the big tight end, and I just thought it was magnificent. I, um, you know, Levi did such a great job as the Cajuns quarterback, and he's going to go down as one of the greats in Louisiana history. But look, here's the reality of the situation. There are some throws that Chandler Fields can make that Levi Lewis probably can't. And, um, and I, and I think as the season unfolds, you're going to see folks are going to come to understand that more and more. Uh, they completed passes to 11 different receivers, which for the Cajuns is kind of normal. Um, but five to the tight end. But, but the big man, Johnny Lumpkin. But, but five to Lumpkin, and then, uh, and then another one, uh, another two to Neil two. Johnson. So seven of the 20 completions go to the tight end. I... Um, but having said all that, I also thought that the receivers had a couple, three drops. Yes. That, um, I mean, I uh, two of them are, are standing out to me, but I think there are even more than that. So the numbers for the quarterbacks could have been even better. Um, look, the offensive line is what it is. It's going to be a work in progress for a good part of the season. Hopefully they're going to get Landon Burton back soon to give them a little bit more depth on the line. Um and, and that's going to mean that the running game probably isn't going to be what we're used to. And I don't think it has anything to do with the backs. I really think it has everything to do with the guys up front because the backs have talent. Yeah, we're going to get into them in a second, and I agree with you. The only criticism, and it's not criticism, it's really his first start and what you think of is Levi Lewis. When the cornerback came off the end on the two blitzes there, 
which which he got the sack. Le- I'm not going to say Levi would have saw that, but I think he sees that better. And that's experience, though. Levi was tremendous at avoiding sacks. He was he was as good as I've seen, honestly. Um, his escapability was tremendous. I don't know that either one of those guys are going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, because there, I, I think that's all the credit to Levi. I don't think that's a situation. Well, if these guys would have done this, they. I just think that's more Levi than anything else. I, I agree, and I think Chandler Fields will tell you the same thing. But I, I like to play the quarterback. Let's get into the running back, so because I, I know he didn't. Uh, you know, Chris Smith is Chris Smith, and he's going to break it. He's going to do what he Chris Smith does. But Terrence William, uh, six, 10 carries, 61 yards. Phenomenal start on the season, in my opinion. He and Kabodi run angry. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we've had some guys in the past that have run angry. Trey Regis. Uh, that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Um, and, and so I like both of those guys. I, I think that um, – you know, we wondered, okay, what are we going to have behind Smith? Well, we got we got two guys who are pretty good uh, behind Smith, so I'm 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 happy with what I saw there. I still don't think that this is a team that's going to go out and run the football for 190, 200, 210 yards a game. I I don't think that's who this team is at least right now. Right. So, um, you know, for folks that are used to that, and we are used to it because the Cajuns have been doing it for years. They're going to have to move the ball a little bit differently this year. And and I think the coaching staff understands that. Uh, you heard Mike talk about that before the season started. So they know. They know what their, what their limitations are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And as, as this continues to progress, they're going to play to their strengths. And um, I, I think this offense is going to be fine. I think it's a combination. I, you know, I kind of joked with uh, with uh, Shane Vallow at the RCF board meeting last year. I said, I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, you've got different running backs making all of these making all of these uh, moves and everything. I said, is that really? I mean, because you have so many different ones, is that really the running back or have the offensive line open up the holes? And to his credit. Shane said, well, you know, he said, it's the running backs because we always didn't have the right blocking scheme in there, and they found the hole. And I think this what this running back crew needs to do is find the hole. And they will. Right? So, that comes with experience. Speaking of Shane Vallow, we'll have Shane Vallow on later on this week. Shane will be, uh, I don't know, breaking down is co- the correct word, but Shane will join me weekly uh, talking about the Cajuns game and what he observes as a former player. So looking Good. forward to see uh, talking with Shane. Shane is a coach over at St. Thomas Moore. Uh, so looking forward to everything going on there. You're listening to We're Talking, and we're talking football with Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Um, you know, Coach Desimo talked about the receivers, and, and I think and he talked about getting the tight end more involved. But, you know, you hear that every year from a coach. And and. and I'm not saying I'm not sold on it, but it's got to be more than one game. But seven catches to the tight ends this year. I, you know, I remember when we didn't use the tight end at all. Yeah. Okay, and that was pretty much the case after Ladarius Green left. Okay, and folks would ask Hud about, oh yeah, well you know tight ends are dead, dead, and then they'd never throw to him. 
Um, you know, we saw, we've seen over the last few years that the tight end has gotten a little bit more involved, and 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 Neil Johnson, I think, has had a lot to do with that. Um, but we've seen Meagle catch a, a few balls. We've seen Lumpkin catch balls now and then. But I, I'll go back. I, I said before the season started, the offense the Cajuns are running, which is going to um, use the intermediate passing game a little bit more, is going to create opportunities for our tight ends. So I expect Lumpkin and Johnson and Meagle to be weapons for this football team. And, you know, you had Lumpkin caught five, Johnson caught two. Uh, Meagle had a big catch yep. that helped set up the, t- the, the last touchdown. I, I never think of him as, as a, I guess because of his number, I think it's 24 or something like that. I never think of him as a tight end, but yeah. But it, so I'm, um, I, I think fans can get used to that. I think that's going to continue. You know, uh, the, the one I really remember is uh, prob- it was after Ladarius Green left. I forgot who the tight ends were, but we were playing in Arkansas, opening the, the season in Arkansas. The Cajuns did not move the ball. All of a sudden, at the end of the half, a couple of passes to the tight end, the Cajuns started moving the ball. And I'm thinking, all right, here we go, second half, get them involved, and it's going to open up the running game. It's going to open it up for the, the other receivers. I don't think we saw another catch the rest of the season for the tight ends. Yeah. So. But that is what it is. No, but uh, let me ask you this, though. I, I, I shouldn't say let me ask you this, because that's what we're here, is for me to ask you questions. So I sound like an idiot right now, but that doesn't take away that I always sound like an idiot. Jamal Bell, how nice was it to see him back on the field and to get a catch in the first game? Yeah, you know, he uh, it was late in the game. Um, they, they they put him in, and he was, uh, he was able to get a catch. You know, this is a guy who had so much promise, and then he got injured. Uh, two years ago, missed the entire season. Last year, played very sparingly. Uh, and, you know, he decided to come back this year. And, you know, my, at first I said, well, you know, that's great that he wants to play. But, uh, you know, I mean, is he even going to play? Uh, but he, he came out and he got, uh, he got a catch. And I was very happy for him. Yeah, it's, it's guys like that that came back that didn't have to, I guess. I mean, but at the same time, this is it, it's it's the end of his playing days. So yeah. why not come back for one more year? Uh, got a degree, you're working on you know something else or whatever. I, I think it's fun. I think you'll like it. Well, Jay, let's take our first break. You're listening. We're talking. Uh, we'll be right back after this brief timeout, and we'll cover the defense, the special teams, and take a quick look ahead of uh, uh, to Eastern Michigan. Uh, but it is what it is there. So thank you for listening. We're talking. Welcome back into We're Talking. Uh, We're talking football with Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Jay, let's talk about the defense. We move on the defensive side. Um, I think it's uh, obviously it's a it's a it's a different defense. Patrick Tony's not here, and let's face it, Patrick Tony did a hell of a job uh, last weekend or this on Saturday, Florida playing Utah. So uh, and, and no 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 slight against Lamar, uh, uh, but this is a different team. 
they are, and and that's okay. Um, I thought the Cajuns had a good game plan defensively. They held um, they held Southeastern to a uh, hundred and eleven yards rushing, and you know at the look this game hasn't changed. Run the football, stop the run, uh, and and so they did a good job there. I thought they did a good job of containing um, Cephas Johnson. You know, Johnson winds up um, 22 out of 35, but only for 149 yards. And I thought they did a good job containing him. And I know that there were some folks that went, oh, we didn't get any sacks and we didn't put pressure on the quarterback. But when you've got a dual threat guy like that, you got to be really careful. Because if you start bringing people and this guy gets loose, now he's got about a 30-yard gain. And so you have to be careful uh, in that uh, situation. I think had the game been closer, and you know, and Southeastern is driving in the, in the final eight minutes to, to try to tie the game or whatever, maybe you see the defense play a little differently. But they never had to do that because while the Cajuns didn't go out and score 40 points and you know, they didn't go out and, and just run away from people. The reality of the situation is the Cajuns were never in danger of losing the game. And so I, I, thought, the, uh, I, I thought the scheme, uh, I thought the calls, I thought the way that they, the, the way they worked their defense, I thought was spot on. Um, you know, you were plus two in turnovers. Uh, Eric Guerra got one. And nice to see Amir McDaniel uh, go ahead and, and get a, uh, uh, get a pick. You know, they had two new starters on the defensive line. I thought they played well. So I'm, um, I, I, look, the defense last year, I thought won them a championship. I mean, you know, pure and simple. And there's some guys that aren't here anymore. Uh, and they miss, going to miss Talon Humphrey and they're going to miss Chauncey Manack and, and, and a few other guys, uh, Percy Butler and, uh, and Lorenzo McCaskill. And, you know, we, we could go on. They've got, they've got some good players that aren't here anymore. But I think this is still going to be a very solid defense, and I think that they showed that in, in the game Saturday. Well, let's give. Re- a- I don't know. I don't know if you heard me say this during the broadcast. The over under for this game was sixty six. Yeah, I did hear you say that. That was a little surprise to me. And and I looked at it and I said, "Really, sixty six? I said, "Yeah, I don't think there's going to be sixty six points scored in this game." Uh, and sure enough, there were there were like thirty one. I, I don't bet. I used to when I paid attention to the game a lot more, um, when I did a lot more research. But did, did the line start out at 10 and a half and no, move to 14? No, no, the line started at 14, moved to 13 before kickoff. Okay, okay. Because I kept looking during the game. I'm like, it's a 10-point game. And I'm thinking the line was 10 or 10 and a half. I'm going like, Vegas is good, you know. No, it, um, it started at 14 and uh, – and was at 13 by by the time kickoff came. And just for the record, I don't bet either. As a matter of fact, it's on my contract. I can't. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I don't have a contract. I can, I can, however, I can, however, give advice to friends. Yes. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't have under, a Take the under. <laughs> I, I don't have a contract. I can be kicked out of the booth at any time. And there are several times I'm sure that uh, when Clark, Chris Lana was here, he wanted to kick me out of the booth, but we won't get into that. Mm-mm. So, um, I thought Cephas Johnson played well. 
Yeah. And I think uh, the other one is Carlos Washington. I thought he he is going to be a force in the sun, uh, the Southland. Yeah, I think so. Um, and and yeah, I thought I thought Johnson played well. I you know look, he missed some receivers. He, Thro- throwing the football is not his strength. Okay. No, but a lot of that I thought was early on. I thought later on in the game he started to be a little more accurate. He did. He did. But but you know. And that was probably because we were giving him a lot of room because at the time. Yeah, maybe so. But it, but it, it I, I know I thought he played okay. I think Southeastern is a better team than some people think is my point. Yeah, I'm going to be, um, you know, I think they're, everybody on offense is going to have to play better uh, than they did. But I but I really do think that the Cajun defense just deserves a lot of credit for, for what we saw on Saturday. I agree. And I think that that will come to play next weekend. Uh, special teams, uh, interesting. Uh, I shouldn't say interesting. Eric Guerra picked up where he left off and is the uh, Sunbelt Conference Special Teams Player of the Week this week. Special Teams Player of the Week is the guy who made the illegal block in the back that we got away with. I agree, and I, I kept looking. <laughs> there were two plays that I thought, well, one we got away with was the illegal block in the back, and the other one was uh, we did not get away with, but I thought was a – and I thought about it as soon as it happened, was the intentional grounding. The intentional grounding was a good call. I, I, I mean, and, and when you were saying, uh, I don't like this, or they're, they're taking too long to call uh, defensive offsides, I'm going like, well, because that's a, they're talking about intentional grounding. No, that, that, you know, fans really complained about that call. It was actually the right call. I agree. Okay, here's what, and, and here, let me explain it. Here's what happened. It was obvious that they were offside. It was going to be a free play. Well, nobody like released or anything. And so, you know, the quarterback says, look, this is a free play. We're going to get five yards. Let me just throw the ball away. Problem was, it was a live play. The penalty didn't negate the live play. And during the live play, he threw the ball away and he was not outside the tackle box. And that's intentional grounding. He threw it 15, 20 yards downfield. If he throws it towards the sideline where the receivers are, there's no no question about it. I agree, but that's something, again, not playing a whole lot, Channel or we're learned. I think it's I think it's well, great that it I, I don't think it's like I don't think it's just the quarterback. Oh no, you the know, receivers got to break. That's what I told my friends. Right. I said, the receivers have to break downfield, first of all. They just can't give up on the play. The whistle never blew. So no, I think overall it it, it was uh the Hey, overall, the Cajuns won, and I don't give a crap about anything else. <laughs> We're going to move on. We're going to learn from the things that we need to learn from. And uh, Reese Burns was solid again. Oh, my goodness. 46 yards of kick, long of 49, very consistent. Um, Preston Stafford, I thought, rushed that kick that he missed. I thought he rushed it a bit. Um, but but he's uh, he's got a good leg. And, gosh, you know. Fans are who they are, but oh my God, he missed a field goal. Oh, see, we got kicking problems again. Oh no, I, 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 I no, I, th- I think Preston Stafford's going to be. Solid. I, I agree with you because I was looking at that. I think he rushed a little bit. I'm not saying he slipped, but I think that is one of those things when the field is wet like that. It is different wet playing on turf than it is on grass. Also, you have a tendency to slip, but at the same time, I do think he rushed, hooked it a little bit left. 
unfortunate, but I don't. Th- I think I think he's going to be fine. It was one of those last year we weren't even sure if we were going to make the extra points at times, right? And I think he drilled the extra points. So, um, um, I'm I'm trying to see here. Oh uh, well, I I thought if you want to if you want to have a, a a problem with the with with the the kicking game is you don't kick the ball out of bounds on a kickoff when the game's I don't care if the game's yeah a two score game or not yeah it, it does not Florida State did that twice last yeah week. kick the ball out of bounds at a kickoff so um, any last words of wisdom or thoughts on the game before we move on. And I'm not, I, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Eastern, Eastern Michigan, but there, well, there, um, there have been a lot of words that have been spoken. I don't know how wise any of them have been, but um, look, the reality is this. I pulled up, I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, and uh, Troy Wingerter was, was walking. Um, Dr. Wingerter. Yes, we were not. To you. We Maybe. were we were almost in front of Russo Park, and I and I rolled my window down, and I said, "How you doing?" He had kind of a scowl on his face, and and he said, "He said these games drive me crazy." He said, "It seems like we never go out and play really well against FCS schools," and he said, "And if we don't go out and play well, we're liable to get beat Saturday." Because Southeastern's not bad, and and I agreed with them. I you know you you let Nichols hang hang in right till the end. Last time you played Southeastern, you almost got beat in a two point conversion. You know any any FCS school that hasn't been Grambling or Southern, we the Cajuns have struggled. They've won, but they've struggled. So I knew exactly where Doctor Wingard was coming from there, and uh, and so you know my my last comment about it is. You went out and you started the season the way you hoped to, and that was to be one and zero. And at the end of the day, it's the only thing that counts. I I agree. Uh, let's talk uh, Eastern Michigan. They they hosted Eastern Kentucky, an FCS opponent. Uh, you know, it was nothing nothing after the first quarter, fourteen ten at the half. At the end, you know, uh, the last three quarters, Eastern Michigan uh, scores fourteen points a quarter. So. Did we learn anything there? I'm sure the, the coaching staff has. Oh, I'm sure they have. But um, as fans, have we learned anything? Well, you know, Eastern Kentucky, their last uh, their last touchdown came with about a minute to go, so it was 42-34, but really 42-27. So it was a it, it was really a, a two touchdown uh, difference in the game. Eastern Michigan's got a veteran offense. They've got they've got some guys who've started a lot of games for them. Taylor Powell for the second week in a row. The Cajuns are going to play a quarterback with experience in the Sunbelt Conference. Taylor Powell um, joined Eastern Michigan from Troy. He had a really nice night. He was 21 out of 30 for 271 yards, three touchdowns, um, and, um, and one interception, and was very, very solid. Um, Eastern Michigan averaged a little under four yards per carry. They had 124 yards Net rushing. Samson Evans is their workhorse uh, in the backfield, and he wound up with 89 yards rushing and averaged almost six yards per carry. Um, and then, you know, like the Cajuns, they had, uh, you know, eight different guys 
who caught passes. They had three receivers with four catches apiece. Dylan Drummond is their go-to guy and has been for a couple of years now. In fact, I think he's got the third longest consecutive games streak catching a pass in all of the FBS. Um, so he's a veteran, uh, and he's been dependable, and uh, he's going to be uh, – I know a lot of the Cajuns focused this week. The thing that gave me pause looking at, at Eastern Michigan just by the numbers, Eastern Kentucky threw for 351 yards. They were 35 of 51, and on top of that, they outrushed Eastern Michigan 141 to 124, and they had five yards per carry running the football, seven yards uh, per pass, throwing the football, and almost 500 yards of offense. And that was the thing that was the eyebrow raiser for me. I'm sure a lot of that came at the end of the game when when they gave up uh, – you know, 11 plays, 65 yards, and two minutes to, to get that, make it a one-score game. But Eastern Kentucky didn't have any problem moving the football. Yeah. And um, so that that's the statistic that I saw that was interesting. Um, does that mean the Cajuns are going to be in a situation to take advantage of the Eastern Michigan defense? I don't know if that means that or not. I just know that Eastern Kentucky had really good success moving the football against him. You know, Eastern Michigan was a team that finished nine and four last year. I did not know the history about what they were bringing back and everything, but actually, I think they were six and seven last year. They were nine and four. Um, did I look at the wrong year? Probably so. That well, surprised me. And 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 look, you could be right. I could be wrong. I want to say they were six and seven. They were seven and six. Seven I'm and sorry. six. Okay, they played. Uh, they played in the. Um, um, I think the 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 Bahamas Bowl. Um, uh, Lending Tree Bowl, actually, against Liberty and Mobile. Okay. And they, they um, lost 56 to 20 to Liberty. Right. So they, they you know, they've got Chris uh, Creighton is their head coach. It's his ninth year. They've been up and down, okay? They've had, they've had some years that hadn't been very good to them at all, but they've also had a couple of years where they were really solid and, and, you know, they went, they had a streak. I, I don't know how, I don't remember how long it lasted, but they had a streak for a long time where they went without getting to a bowl game. Uh, they've only won one bowl game in the entire history of the program. They're one in five, but they're, uh, but they went, uh, they went years without qualifying for a bowl. Well, I'm looking at their past schedules. I don't know where I got nine and four from. I'm probably thinking of another team the Cajuns play out of conference. So. Oh well, I know that they did have one year that where they did have a record like that, but uh, but it was a few years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so Eastern Kentucky moved the ball on them. What do the Cajuns need to do to move the ball on? Them? I mean, I just i i think I think personally, I think the game plan was good uh, against Southeastern. Well, do you think we see a lot anything different? Well, I don't, I, I don't know what we see differently as far as the game plan is concerned. Here's what I want to see. I want to see them lather up a little bit and have success running the football on a consistent basis. Um, you know, that has been the mantra for Cajun football for quite some time. And um, they might have an opportunity to do that 
with uh, with this particular team. But that's what I want to see him do. I want to see our backs have success running the football this week, more than anything else. You know, I, the the game temperature was eighty four. Now, don't get me wrong; it was raining. It was raining before the game, up until about thirty minutes, forty five minutes before the game started. But when have you seen eighty four first weekend in in in, in Louisiana, and then next weekend we're scheduled again for eighty five, uh, probably as the high, probably about eighty one at game time. There's a there's a forty percent chance of rain as of today. A forty percent chance of rain on Saturday. But if you look at the low temperatures this week, you're going to see low temperatures down around 70. Yeah. So. The lower 70s. No, down around 70 yeah. degrees. Yes. I mean, that, there are three or four nights where your, your low is scheduled to be 70. Yes. And yes. so you're, you're in the second week of September now. And he got first question in uh, Coach Creighton's uh, press conference. Say, well, Louisiana, you're going down there. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Um, so they know, yeah, they know, you know, it, it heard coach Creighton talk about the Cajuns though. And <laughs> he talked about the fact that we've been, you know, right there in the Sunbelt conference for a few years and the Sunbelt's a great, he didn't mention that we had the nation's longest active winning streak. I mean, hell, if I'm the head coach, that's the first thing I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't talk, he didn't talk about, you know, how we, you know, stormed through the league last year, including, you know, beating a team like App State twice. And of course, App State just scored 61 points against North Carolina. So if I'm him, I'm make I'm, I'm, I'm building, building the Cajuns up as much as I can. And, and he didn't do that. And that kind of, it was almost, and then he started quoting statistics and he, and he got a lot of them wrong. So, um, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but did, I think I heard this during the broadcast. App State f- scored 40 points in, in the, the fourth, fourth quarter, quarter which yeah. is an uh, FBS record. I don't know. I, I didn't know an FBS record, but yeah, 40 points in the fourth quarter. So six touchdowns. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Lastly, is it a big deal that the Cajuns are playing on the NFL Network? Uh, let me tell you what a big what the big deal is. This will be the first time that the Cajuns have had a Saturday night home game on a linear network. All the Saturday games that they've had on national television have been daytime games, either 11 o'clock, 2.30, 4 o'clock. So this will be the first time they're on national TV on a Saturday night at Cajun Field. I'll tell you why I think it's a big deal. They wanted us. That's all you have to say. Well, that there you are. I mean, but no, I agree with you. I, I agree. I, I do. Uh, they wanted us. It's uh, there are two games going to be on the NFL Network this year. Both of them are MAC Sunbelt. Okay. Uh, games, and yeah, I you know I I I'm all about that. But it, and we didn't have to move it up like you said to I was, eleven a.m. Yeah, I was having this conversation like with Doctor Maggot at like eleven thirty. On Sunday night, yeah. you know, he said, when was the last time that we hosted a Saturday night game on national television? And I, and, and I thought for a minute and I said, I don't think we have. And so while we were on the phone, I, I, I looked back. First nationally televised Saturday night game from Cajun Field. I'm digging it. That's a big deal. Well, Jay, 
Now, any last words, comments? I, I, I won't ask for words of wisdom because everybody knows. No, I, there's I got, not a whole lot of wisdom. They, any they, last they, comments they, they, about they, the Cajuns or their opponents or, or the Sun Belt in general? I thought, I thought it was overall a good first week for the Sun Belt. From the they went eight and six, okay. But from the standpoint of being front and center on a few stories, you know, the App State-North Carolina game, that was a story. Uh, Coastal Carolina beating Army was uh, a story. You had um, um, Coastal Carolina and Army, uh, a story. And I, Liberty and Southern Miss turned out to be a story. I... And in, in James Madison in their first game in the FBS, beating somebody by six touchdowns. I mean, that's a story. So I like the fact that the Sun Belt did some things in week one that made maybe not the average football fan, but folks who are fans of college football made them take notice. And, and I like that about the league in the, in the first time out. I will tell you what I liked. George, and I'm not saying this as it's moral victories. Don't anyone get me wrong. But Georgia State, South Carolina, 35-14. South Carolina won. Georgia State was not embarrassed. No, and they made a couple of huge mistakes. That game should have been a lot closer. Arkansas State. Again, it was Grambling. But Arkansas, and I know it's Grambling, but at the same time, I'm not going to say Arkansas State's back, but they're they're playing better than they well, played last year. I'll tell you what, last year they couldn't put 58 on anybody. It, exactly. Southern Miss, a team that won four or five games last year, three. Uh, I think Will Hall's going to be a great coach for them. I think he's a year or two away, but to play Liberty the way they did, Southern Miss is going to be very good defensively. And um, and and I'll say this now: that game on October 20. Fourth or whatever the date is over over in Hattiesburg, that's going to be a war. Yeah, because they're good defensively, and I think they're only going to get better as the season goes goes on. That's going to be a difficult game for the Cajuns, I think. Coach Helton with Georgia Southern, fifty nine points in his now again an FCS opponent, but at the same time, that's a different Georgia Southern team. Four touchdown passes, tying a school record at Georgia Southern. No one has ever thrown for five touchdowns at Georgia Southern because, of course, they never threw the football. South Alabama, for me, had the biggest eyebrow raiser because they went out and just hammered Nichols, 48-7. And for the first time since I can remember, it looks like the Jaguars have a quarterback. That's going to make them a very dangerous team in the West. Absolutely agree with you on that. I, I was going to mention them, South Alabama 48. Excellent open weekend for them. Uh, Troy Ole Miss, again, 28-10. Not a moral victory here, but we're not embarrassed. And I think Troy against an Ole Miss team that likes to put up points, I think that, uh, and again, not a moral victory here, but I, well, I think, respectable. I think weather was a factor there also in Oxford, um, but, but you're right. You're right. They they held them in 28. I think that's good. App State, North Carolina. App State had their opportunity to win that game, and, and, and some people can say probably should have won that game. Again, not a moral victory, but App State just told the rest of the league, come at me, mother. 
Awesome. They should be angry. They should be. That's a game they should have won. Um, it's a it's a game. It's a team that they beat in Chapel Hill just a couple of years ago. Um, it was a great game to watch. Great game if you're a fan. I, I think it was great that they had 40,000 people in Boone. But man, I'll tell you, I think I think App fans expected to win that game. I agree. And they're not happy that they didn't win it. And now App's got to go to AM this week. Yeah. And um I know that their fans were hoping for at least a split in those first two games. Not saying they can't get it, but they're plus 19 and a half in the opening line. And uh, that's not going to be a, a, an easy thing at all for the Mountaineers. And, and Mountaineer fans, I don't care who you're playing, uh, starting 0-2 is, is something that uh, they're not used to and they, they're not going to like. So uh, that's, that's interesting. It is. And I, I really thought when I saw the, the sellout and everything, it was a, a lot of North Carolina fans buying tickets. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of uh, baby blue in there, t- uh, Tar Heel blue in there, but there were a lot of App State fans there, and so good for them. Um, and just a, a, something that came out today: Eric Guerra is the Sun Belt and State of Louisiana Special Teams Player of the Week, and the Louisiana Offensive Player of the Week is Chandler Fields. Sweet baby Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh man. I don't care if it rains or freezes, as long as I got my plastic Jesus riding on the dashboard of my car. So, lastly, though, Old Dominion started either 1 and 5 or 0 and 6 last year, announced that they were coming to the Sun Belt, reeled off five straight wins to get in, and then end up winning six to get into a bowl game, beat an ACC team. I don't care if it's Virginia Tech or Bayou Bash or if it's Clemson. They beat them, and they won the – I don't think they look great offensively, but at the same time, they beat a Virginia Tech, uh, a Brett Pry team. And they, I know it's his first year there, and I expect Brett Pry to win, but that is an awesome win for the Sunbelt Conference. You beat an ACC school in your home state. That's big. You know, speaking of the ACC, North Carolina – is playing at a Sunbelt school for the second straight week this week. North yes. Carolina goes to Georgia State uh, this week. And, you know, the schools in um, in North Carolina, North Carolina State went to East Carolina. You know, I like, I, I respect schools that are P5s that say, we'll go on the road. We're yeah. good. We'll go on the road. You don't see it anymore in the Big 12. You used to. You don't see it anymore in the Big 12. You don't see it in the SEC, which is which is why you know you've got Cajun fans that go, well, why aren't we getting this? Well, it's because you're dealing with geographically schools that aren't going to play. All yeah. right, they're just not they they ain't coming. And well, let's play three for no, we're not going to play three for one. Um, you know, they don't realize how much of a money loss that is for us. There's a but the but this schools in the ACC that aren't named Clemson will go on the road. And they'll and they'll play you, um, and I um, I respect that. You know, people talk about Miami going to App State a few years back, and that was uh, App State. Excuse me, had Miami by the short hairs. Miami needed another game. App did not, and uh, 
Miami said, well, you, you guys come to us first. And App said, no, 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 no. You need the game. You come to us first because you're not buying out the return trip. And to their credit, they got Miami to come. Not a great showing by App State that day, but at the same time, uh, that's why they got Miami there. So it, at, Miami was desperate for that that last game. So, well, Jay, thank you so much. It's always fun. Uh, we have Eastern Michigan home this week, and uh, then we're going to head to Rice and head to ULM. Uh, two quick trips for the Cajuns. Good to see early on. Although the playing, it, because it's a charter, is not a uh, not as disrupted as if you're as if you're the basketball team and you're flying on a commercial flight. Right. It's still nice to have some some regional rivalries here, which you'll see later on with. Rice coming here and Tulane coming here. You know, I'm, um, what is it? This is year 31 for me. Damn, you're old. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> so I, I, I don't remember going to week six before we get on an airplane. Yeah. You know, because you, you you got the trips to Rice and ULM, then you've got South Alabama at home. So it's week six before you act, get on a plane for the first time. I don't. I don't remember that happening in the years that I've covered the Cajuns. No, but Hey, congratulations Cajun fans and Cajuns, uh, the Cajun football team on a victory. Uh, we'll be talking to you next week. Uh, yes, we're home next week, so we should be able to, uh, to get together on Sunday afternoon. I'm, I'm available on Sundays period. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for you, Craig. I know. I mean, uh, fun schedule coming up. We'll have Chris Lano on. We'll have Cody Juno on. We'll have Shane Vallow on. Uh, we'll work out some deals uh, with everybody else. JT Crabtree is supposed to come on and, uh, and uh, preview each week and, and look back at the Sunbelt East. We'll have Danny uh, Reed from George, Voice of George Southern Eagles coming on each week as well. We're going to have you about eight hours of podcast coming on. So it's up to you if you want to listen, but it's all going to be some good stuff. Some of it's repetitive, but does it really matter? Mm-hmm. No, it's good stuff. The Cajuns need this. And if you're listening to Rage and Review, good for you also. Listen to them. More Cajun information you can get. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's right about their opinion. Uh, so, but, but Craig gets me. Yes. And I get, I get to move on from this conversation right now. So, for we're talking, and we've been talking football, Cajun football, and the Sunbelt Conference football, I'm Craig Malanson. Thanks to the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.